and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians if you have a Bible with you. If you don't, don't panic. The passage will be up on the screen uh, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but this morning, uh, the Green Tree Community Church spiritual family, uh, that's my favorite term for a spiritual family because I think that really uh, speaks directly to who we are. Uh, we're being asked to make a commitment this morning. Uh, if the Lord Jesus doesn't come back and uh, we're here for another year, uh, we're being asked to commit of our time uh, and our treasure and our talent in order that we might uh, work against that, that mission, that vision statement that you see on our, on our Seasons Weekly uh, every week, which is to uh, grow disciples and to plant churches and renew communities. And this morning we're asked to commit it once again our time and our treasure and our talent. And I think it would be appropriate to, to answer the question, why? Uh, why are we being asked as a spiritual family to do that? Well, we're being asked to commit our time. And I think that means two different things. One, uh, you're being asked and I'm being asked to uh, be mindful of our own spiritual well-being, to, uh, to be able to look into our lives and see where the grace of God needs to grow and to make sure that we're being attentive to that and we're putting ourselves in, in positions of growth. I just bumped into a friend before the service. I said, how are you doing? And they said, honestly, I'm not doing all that great, but you know what? God's doing some stuff in my life. He's being attentive uh, to, to his journey with Christ. We're being called to do that, being called to commit our time to our own spiritual well-being, but we're also being called to make sure that we're being used by God to serve others, to care for others within the Green Tree Community Church spiritual family and within the greater Kirkwood and St. Louis area. So it's a question of our time. It's also a question of our treasure. We're being asked to commit our resources, our finances. We're asking to uh, you and I'm asking myself, my family, to commit 10% of our income, our tithe, our gift back to God for all that he has given to us to support the ministries and the work of Green Tree Community Church. It's not only a question of time this morning, it's a question of, uh, of our treasure, of our resources. We're also being asked to commit our talent. Every disciple of Christ has not only natural talents that you're given, but you also have spiritual gifts. When the Spirit of God indwells you, God equips you to serve Him. And we're being called to, to not only discover those gifts, but to use them to build the kingdom of God. Because that's our biblical mandate. The biblical mandate, the, the mission of Green Tree, you read that, grow disciples, plant churches, and renew communities. That's not something real catchy that a bunch of leaders you know, got in the back room and figured out. That's what Scripture calls us to. We maybe have said it in a little different way. We maybe have couched it in the terms that are a little bit different. But it, the bottom line is that God has given us a mandate through a scripture that we are to be part of the growth of his kingdom, that we're to, again, use our energies, our efforts, our time, our treasure, and our talent to expand the influence of the gospel. Scripture is clear. We don't follow Jesus as individuals. Uh, we haven't been called to a just a one-on-one -on -one walk with Christ. Now, we certainly have been called to that. And I've said just a moment ago that, that I need to give attention to, you need to give attention to your spiritual well-being. But Jesus has saved us to community. Jesus has saved us to relationship. The Trinity demonstrates that in its purest form. And God is bringing us into community with one another right here at Green Tree Community Church. Why? Because he wants us to reach others. I believe that the mandate before us this morning is biblical and it's centered upon the work of God in Jesus Christ. We've been telling stories all month. I hope you've been able to be uh, at least one or two of the worship services. But every Sunday this month, we, we've heard a different story about this expanding kingdom of God, of the work of God's provision 
in the lives of people He's calling to Himself. The challenge before us is to willingly embrace that provision. For us to press deeper into Christ, into His calling for us as a church. We heard Jill's story. It was a story of salvation. It it was a journey over several decades that eventually led her to Christ. And Green Tree got to play a small piece in all of that. It was a magnificent story. Chris told his story about healing. How God brought him here in a time in his life when he was now ready to deal with his background, ready to deal with the abuse that he had suffered, and he felt that he was in a safe place. God provided through you and through, through me a place for him to come and to begin to experience that healing journey and to continue on it to this day. It's a magnificent story. It's a glorious story. We heard a story last Sunday of Maureen Rogers and the care that God has provided for her through Green Tree Community Church, through a variety of other folks. These stories have been stories that tell a bigger story, that are part of a bigger story. There are story, those are stories that remind us of God's work in our lives, but also remind us of our partnership in that work, which brings us to our verses for this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul speaks very directly about our partnership with Christ. And I want to read these verses for you. Make one or two more comments, and then we're going to tell one more story about the work of God in our community. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, hear the word of God. The apostle writes, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us a message of reconciliation, or the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. To uh, put it in a nutshell, God is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. And we are called to the high and glorious privilege of being his partners in the ministry of reconciliation. Paul received that ministry in the first century and every generation of Christians to follow from the apostles all, all the way down to those of us today who are disciples of Jesus. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. It is our generation's turn to carry the work of the gospel into this community. Today's story is a story of how in, in, in a small but significant way a Green Tree Community Church is impacting of the community of Kirkwood. When Tom and I were first married in 1981, we were in youth ministry, which I thoroughly enjoyed. We moved to St. Louis, and he finished seminary and was promoted to an assistant pastor, and I really struggled with that. I could not see myself as a pastor's wife. And the the pastor's wives that I knew that I thought highly of could do things like play the piano, sing in the choir, cook. 
and I didn't feel like I fit into the to the mold that I thought others what they thought of when they thought of a pastor's wife so I really struggled with that I struggled with my own expectations um, and how how am I going to fake this how am I going to try and make this work when this isn't who I am I also struggled with <clears throat> realizing that the way I viewed God, I viewed Him as holy and righteous, but I could not see His love for me as a child. I struggled with trusting a God that I, I didn't feel like really loved me. And this kept coming up and up in various forms, but it was, it was a huge deal in my life, um, just stopping me from in a lot of areas, a lot of areas of my life where I needed to trust God. Tom and I were both introduced to Sonship and went through it together with a mentor. Sonship was a Bible study through the book of Galatians and it was really on learning how to apply the gospel to our lives. During Sonship they talked often about the gospel having music and I did not get that. However, during the course of studying Galatians I finally understood that or caught a glimpse of the fact that God delights in me as a child and that he's given me gifts and the personality that he has and he's going to use those gifts and, and my personality. So for me, Sonship radically changed how I parent, changed our ministry, changed our marriage. It freed me up to um, be able to rest that I'm a daughter and not an orphan. And that was, that was very freeing to me to not feel like I had to meet up to certain expectations in order for God to use me. About 10 years ago, I was working with clothes um, in a warehouse sale and at a resale shop. And even though I enjoyed my job, it was also frustrating because I realized that my gifts and my talents were not being used. And I had no idea what job would really use my gifts and talents. I just knew that um, my frustration was growing and that I was really praying that there was something out there that that I would feel fulfilled and feel like was my ministry. My good friend of mine, Edie Fay, encouraged me to go up to the high school knowing that I, I love teenagers and talk to Dr. Holly, who's the principal. And one afternoon I decided to do that and I basically said, I don't know if there's anything I'm qualified for, but I think I would like to be up at the high school. So if anything comes available that you think I might be good at, you know, would you keep my name in mind? And then I went for another year working with clothes. One evening, some friends of ours were over and we were sitting out on the front porch and I was voicing my frustration. And Tom looked at me and said, you really are getting to a place where you hate your job, don't you? And I said, yes. And he said, well, you need to go ahead and give your two weeks notice, and we are just going to pray whatever job you're supposed to be in will open up, which is what I did. Um, I gave my two-week notice the next day and worked for two more weeks and then went on vacation. On my second day of vacation, Dave Holly called and said, there's a position open at the high school that I'd like to talk to you about. It's a new position. So when you get back in town, come see me. The position that they had was um, part-time walking counselor, which means security, 
in the hallway. And the, the other part that they needed was someone to work in a study block situation for, with at-risk kids, kids that are failing two or more classes, and to try and build a relationship with them and figure out how to motivate them to um, do well in their classwork. Although my kids thought I would probably um, hate the job because it was would be dealing with kids who are behavioral problems and disrespectful. After praying about it, I decided it would be a challenge and I wanted to try. I'm in my seventh year now uh, with Kirkwood High School and I love it. <clears throat> I still continue to do study focuses, which is what we, we named the program that I started. Um, and I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I have an opportunity to not just tolerate kids, but to love them and try and love them well. And I feel like that is what, um, I, I feel like I have an opportunity to give kids a glimpse, hopefully, of the kind of love that I feel like how God has loved me. In working with kids on a daily basis and building relationships with them, I feel like I'm given many opportunities to share my faith. Those opportunities might come in the form of helping a student who has an assignment to write about a painter and they pick Michelangelo and they need to write about 12 paintings that happen to be all Bible stories. So I'm able to sit down and share 12 Bible stories with, a, with a, an unchurched student. Every year, their kids for, for health and human relations class have surveys that they need to take. And some of the sur more common surveys are on abortion or on premarital sex. And that gives me an opportunity to share how I feel and why. I feel like I have a constant opportunity not only to share my faith, but more importantly, to live it. That kid, my, my students, I would say, all know that, that I have a faith. Whether I'm verbal about it or not, they know that my faith is important to me. My first day at Kirkwood, seven years ago, I had a student growl at me, literally growl at me. It was a, and she was the meanest girl I had ever met, and I really went home and did not know if I could do this job or not. Um, since then, we have adopted her into our family. We still have her over for Christmas, and to see the change in her life and in our relationship has been incredible. One night, I, I got a phone call from a student, and I grabbed my oldest son, Nathan, and we went and picked her up and, and her mother and two younger brothers and all of their belongings and took them to a homeless shelter. Um, it was incredibly hard for me as she stood weeping to know that I had to leave them there and that mom needed her kids with her. And all I could do was pray for her and literally peel her arms off of me and hand her to her mother and walk out the door. There was a day when a student came <clears throat> and handed me a phone because one of my students was hysterical. And I, it took me four times to actually get in a place where I could understand what she was saying, but she had just witnessed her mother stabbed to death her stepfather. And I was in a position to try and not only calm her down, but try and figure out 
where mom was, had the police been called, does mom still have the knife, who's in the house, and then just to prayerfully try and help her through the next two years as she dealt with her mom being in prison, going through trial, uh, trying to work out issues of, of domestic abuse, and she actually ended up at the end of the year giving a speech for her English class on domestic abuse and asked me to come in the English class and I just sat in the back and wept with what God had done in her life and just <clears throat> the things that she had learned and how he had helped her through this. My first year I had twins, Joe and Josie, and Joe was going to go after a kid on behalf of Josie and I knew about it and was trying to prevent it and I saw him come around the corner tearing off his sweatshirt and I just panicked. He weighed about 300 pounds and the kid that he was coming after was standing right next to me and I grabbed my walkie-talkie, my finger froze and I'm screaming, no, no, please, no, Joe, don't. Nobody knows where I am, how to help me, what's going on, but my finger just froze on the walkie-talkie. A few weeks later, Joe's twin cousins, two girls, one of them was mouthing off at, I had to go get them, and they were mouthing off at me, and all of a sudden Joe came up behind her, and with one hand picked her up by the back of the coat, and helped, picked her up off her feet, and said, you are not going to talk that way to Miss Bricks, and we walked all the way to the principal's office with her, him holding onto her coat. I get an opportunity to laugh every day. The other day, I was taking a student to work, and we got in the car and I had to drop something off at the church and she wanted to know if I attended church and I said yes every Sunday and I looked at her and I said do you know what my husband does and she said no and I said well he's a pastor she said you are not a first lady I do not believe you are a first lady there is no way you don't act like a first lady Green Tree has helped me with this ministry in many ways first of all I feel totally freed to have this as my ministry versus a role at the church. I feel um, supported to be Tom's wife and to figure out my own ministry. I have had somebody mentor a student once a week for two years. I have had um, a doctor look at a student uh, free of charge, who didn't have insurance. I've had a dentist pull an abscess tooth for a student. A lot of times I will call, um, especially people who have volunteered, I will call and they will help me with things like getting a student glasses, a winter coat. I have had a photographer just recently offer to take senior pictures for seven girls for her cost and give them give them a a senior picture experience and which was really a lot of fun we're halfway through the girls but that was just really a lot of fun for me to be able to participate in one of the first years that I was at Kirkwood I figured out that the students were not some of the students were not turning in assignments because they didn't have supplies and Green Tree has helped quite a bit with financing a supply closet that they add to every year. They purchased a printer for my room. We have computers, but we did not have a printer, and they purchased a printer for my room. 
And I have several people, I hope I did not miss anybody, I have several people that help if it's prayer or baking cookies or helping with the student, I feel like every time that there is a need that quite often it's, it's answered through the congregation. The staff at Kirkwood will come to me with needs, whether it's a counselor or a principal or a teacher, they will come to me with the need, even if it's not a student in my classroom. I also get to watch the joy that our Christmas giving gives. I know the students and some of their families who receive those gifts, those much needed gifts, and would not have Christmas without them. And so for, for me, there's a lot of joy in, in being able to witness that. And I get to see the witness we have at the, at the high school. I get to see that um, people wonder about our, our church and, and know stories about how the congregation has given and what a testimony that is to teachers and staff. Every once in a while, someone at the high school will make a comment like, oh, well, you're going to earn your way into heaven or... Are you going for sainthood or something like that? And I just have to smile because it's, it's not about that. It's not about duty. It's not about responsibility. It's in response to what God's already done in my life. And when I understand and caught a glimpse of how much He loves me and delights in me, I am free to love and, res and respond with love. And, and it's, it's a resting place, it's a, it's a place of joy to be able to do that. I've got my eyes on you, Catherine Pope. Kind of cute, isn't she? Sorry about that, Catherine. I knew that was in there, but she really does love you. Um, the word that was on the screen a minute ago, you know, the overall for the month is lives, but the word that came on the screen was opportunity. Um, and I, th I think that's really what we're talking about this morning. And without belaboring the point too much, you know, Jill's story, Chris's story, Marie's story, each one of us have a story that's part of this bigger story, that God has called us not just to salvation, not just to uh, knowing that we are secure in Christ, but He's called us to this amazing adventure to this journey of faith that impacts and touches the world in so many different ways, sometimes very, very small. I mean, Sidney talked about uh, the girls getting their senior pictures uh, taken, and, and those girls couldn't have afforded that. And the photographer at Green Tree said, look, I, I'll do it for my cost. And, and if you can get some folks to, to cover the cost, we're in great shape. And you have these little high school girls that just, you know, would never have that experience, never have that opportunity. And Cindy doesn't go to them and say, you know, I'm doing this because of Jesus. She just says, hey, I love you, and I think you're special, and I want you to know that. One of those girls, it was funny, one of the girls got the pictures back and looked at them. She came up to Cindy the other day. She said, Ms. Ricks, I knew I was beautiful, but now I got the proof. <laughs> and we get to be part of that. We get to be part of that. These kids are, you know, they connect the dots. They understand. Like Cindy's out walking down the halls with her Bible. She's, you know, she, she, she's very sensitive and very careful and very respectful. But people see the gospel at work, and it's an opportunity. And not just her story, but your story and my story is a story of opportunity. Green Tree, it's a story of opportunity. I want to go back just for a couple minutes to this passage in, in, 1 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians because I believe 
it sums up that opportunity and it leaves us with, with the, I think, the appropriate challenge this morning on Provision Sunday. And I just want to look at these verses with you for just a second. We can go back to verses 18 and 19. Uh, Paul's talking about salvation. He's talking about this miraculous thing that God is doing through Christ. He says, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God has reconciled us through Christ. Our sins are not counted against us. That's where we have to start. That's why Cindy said in her story, and, and we've heard in the other stories, uh, Jill's story too in particular, this is not about, you know, it's not about earning your way to heaven. <laughs> it's not about some duty. It's not about some obligation, but rather it's understanding this amazing gift that we've received. Uh, we are big sinners. I'm a big sinner. I'm really good at sinning. I've got it down to a science. And you know what? I've, I've been around enough of you guys to know that you're pretty good sinners too. If it's not about grace, friends, we're lost. We are hopeless. If it's not about the cross of Christ, if that mercy does not extend to you and doesn't extend to me, we might as well pack it up and go home. Need, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and then it's going to get really, really bad. But the truth is it is about grace. It is about mercy that God through Christ has reconciled us to himself but also the second part, that God has given us a partnership in this ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusted us with this message. And so in the most basic fundamental form, the question this morning is, will we be faithful? Will we be faithful in joy to respond to the grace of God? Will we love others because Christ has loved us? The next verse talks a little bit about the specificity of the role where Paul says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you embrace your role? Do I embrace my role as an ambassador? I got to thinking about that word a little bit this morning uh, as, I was, as I was finishing up my, my preparation. You think about somebody being an ambassador someplace. Think if you were an ambassador to Spain, for example. I've never been to Spain. I'd like to go to Spain. Uh, if Barack Obama ever hears the sermon on DVD and you need somebody to go to Spain, I'd love to volunteer for the job. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool place to go and be an ambassador. But think about if the ambassador from Spain gets called home and the president says, okay, give me a report on Spain. And the ambassador's report is, you know, we've had some great meals with the staff at the embassy. He says, okay, well, that's good. Well, what else have you done? Well, you know, we've, we've redecorated the embassy. We've spent a lot of money on making the embassy look really, really nice. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And then the president says, well, that's really good. But, but what about the Spanish government? What kind of interaction have you had with them? Well, we really haven't gotten around to that yet. We've been doing some team building exercises. We've been, we've been working on, on learning the Spanish language, but we haven't really left the embassy yet. We haven't really done anything to engage with the Spanish government or the Spanish people. I dare say that person would probably lose their job because they don't understand the most fundamental concept of ambassadorship. That you're living in a foreign country on behalf of your homeland. You're not at home. You can't live with an inward focus. It doesn't work that way. One of my fears for Green Tree is that we've begun to turn and we've begun to have an inward focus. I see in little small ways it's begun to be more about us than other people. And friends, that just won't wash. Our focus needs to be an outward focus. We are an envoy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we must see ourselves that way first and foremost. Because our job is his envoy. Our job is his representatives. It's to engage with our culture. 
as Jeremy said at the beginning of the, of the call to worship, that we live in a broken and dark and dying world. And we have the opportunity because of the grace of God to bring the light of the gospel to bear on people's lives. Do we embrace that role as a congregation? Do we embrace that role as individuals? And to follow up that question, stay in verse 20 for just a second. Do we live with passion? Is there an emotion in our hearts when we think about the gospel? When we think about the impact it can have on people's lives? Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ. You don't use that word implore when you're asking, you know, the kids to take their dishes back to the sink after you've had dinner. You know, Jordan, Nate, kid, I just implore you to take your dish. No, you know, hey, we just take your dishes over to the sink. Use the word implore when you want to really bring something home. When you're begging someone, when you're pleading with someone, when you're emotionally engaged with a person to the degree that if they say no, it's going to break your heart. I implore you, Paul says, is that kind of emotion alive in my heart? Is it alive in your heart? There's, there's students here this morning that go to school right here at Kirkwood High School. Is that emotion in your heart for your friends who may not know Christ? Those of us who are adults who live and work in this community, Kirkwood and Glendale to Pear and even beyond into St. Louis proper, do we have that passion in our hearts? Are you upset this morning because you know somebody that isn't here hearing the gospel? Or do we just kind of get up and go through the motions because we get to come and have a great time at Kirkwood High School? The emotion of Jesus, the longing of Jesus to see sinners come home, does that belong to us? our role as ambassadors. One other point in all this, though, is verse 21, which kind of alludes back to what Cindy said about how she now sees herself. And Paul wraps this conversation up by saying, for our sake, he made him, in other words, God made Jesus to be sin. Jesus didn't know any sin, but he made him sin so that in Jesus, put your name in there, Tom, put your name in there, might become the righteousness of God. Do you understand not only your role, do you understand not only the passion you're supposed to have, but do you understand your identity in Christ? That you were sin. That when God looked at you, He saw sin. He saw all the, the terrible things, the choices you make, the words you use, the attitudes that are in my heart, the things that I think that nobody even, even knows about, the secret stuff that nobody ever sees. God, when he looked at me, he saw all that. When he looks at you, he sees all that as clear as day. You cannot hide it. You cannot fool God. And he looked at that and he made a decision that he was going to handle that problem for you and for me. He was going to change things. He was going to exchange something. And so Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, said, I will give my perfection for Tom Ricks's imperfection. All the garbage that's in Tom Ricks' life, all the junk that's there that separates him from us, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it to the cross. And God, when you look at me, Father, when you look at me, don't see, don't see me, see Tom and punish that sin. And then Jesus says to me, Tom, if you just trust that's true, if you just accept that by faith, I'm going to hand you my righteousness. So that every time the Father looks at you, he doesn't see the old Tom, he sees me. He sees you in me. That's how God reconciles the world. He's not calling you to duty this morning. If you, if you bring forward a pledge card and, and put it in these um, little clay things that we're going to do, and if you're doing that reluctantly out of duty, you know what? Please, please, please keep your money. God doesn't want it. He doesn't want my money. 
He wants our hearts. He wants us to understand that He is so passionate about us that He would let His Son exchange His righteousness for our sins so that we could be the righteousness of God. That's the great exchange that Martin Luther wrote about. It's that that identifies us this morning. And so as we come to a moment where we're going to commit ourselves to another year, I would say that there are more stories to be written. I really loved the, the services in November and the, the stories that we heard. I think it personalized the gospel, and I, and I hope we do a lot more storytelling in the new year. But there are more stories to be written. There are more lives to be reconciled through Christ. We are called to a committed partnership. Will we respond to the grace of Christ that's found us? Will we give ourselves first to Jesus with grateful hearts so that the story of reconciliation through Christ can continue at Green Tree Community Church and in our community? Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the stories that we've heard in November. I thank you for, for Cindy's story this morning and for, for Jill and for Maureen and for Chris and the, the stories that we've heard of your redemption and your reconciliation. Father, I thank you that Paul explained it to us very clearly, very concisely in 2 Corinthians 5. You are reconciling the world to yourself and you call us to partner with you in that process. Father, Paul, the people of his generation partnered with you. The apostles were the, were the first and foremost representatives of the gospel. But now down to our day and age, Paul is still testifying. We've read his words this morning, inspired by your Holy Spirit. He's still being your ambassador today, thousands of years after his death. Father, I dare say that 2,000 years from now, if you haven't sent Jesus back yet, Nobody will be reading the works of Tom Ricks or Green Tree Community Church. But there will have been seeds that were planted in this generation that have led to others knowing Christ. Father, this is our moment. It's our day. It's our generation. It's, it's the community in which you've placed us. And we would pray for faithful hearts. We would pray that we would seize the opportunity. Lord, you're going, to, you're going to change lives. You're going to call people. You're going to reconcile people. Whether we're involved in that process or not, you, you will work in spite of us if you have to. But then, Lord, we miss the joy. We miss the exciting part of the journey. We miss the, the rush of, of the rapids as we go down the river. We, we miss the exhilaration of standing on top of the mountain after a long, hard climb. Father, I pray that you would Allow us to come on the journey with you. That we would be faithful to your calling in our lives. Your calling to Green Tree Community Church. For the opportunity that is before us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. Now make us faithful, I pray. Because of your grace. Because of your mercy. Amen.